Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Today's an exciting episode. Usually my episodes are solo of me talking about all things leadership and culture and retention and all the things. And today I'm sitting down with Scott Wayman, who's the CEO and founder of Kangaroo Time. And we have a really in-depth conversation that goes in a lot of different directions. And for those of you that have followed our live streamings where we have owners only conversations on Facebook, you know that our conversations kind of take a lot of different turns. But today we really dive into how to really choose and discern when it's time to take on an investor or really look at capital funding. We talk about, in general, the mindset of working alongside people, trusting people. We talk about what your burn rate is as a leader and understanding how you're going to know when it's time for you to make that quantum leap forward. We talk a lot about the inception of Kangaroo Time and what Scott went through and his journey of really raising capital funding and how he really used it to build a phenomenal software company that really supports early childhood leaders internationally at this point. He's really going into all these different markets. We talk about the upcoming Bounce Conference, so many other things. Again, if you've ever heard our conversations, there are so many little nuggets in between all the things that we're talking about. And if you've never heard any of our conversations, buckle up. This is a fun one. All right. Thanks so much for joining me and please enjoy my conversation with Scott Lehman. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Schools of Excellence podcast. And so I'm super excited to have here the CEO and founder of Kangaroo Time, Scott Lehman. Scott, thanks for joining us here today. Honey, it's always a pleasure to get together. And and so I do, I, I work in two places. I, I live in Long Beach, California, about half time with my wife. Which, no offense, no offense to anybody else anywhere in the world, but it's my favorite place to be. Um, She's incredible and uh, she likes me. I don't know why. And then... uh, And then I'm I'm in Buffalo, but honey, when I'm in Buffalo, I'm so loud. People there, they always make funny comments like, "Oh, we love it when you're on with honey." You know, we hear, <laughs> we hear stuff we don't usually hear you say. 
we hear stuff, you know, just, just kind yeah. of the nuggets. And I'm like, it's all honey. She just draws it out of you. She just, she does. She, that's her, her spirit good stuff. gift. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to kick us off with actually continuing the conversation that we started several months ago. We did a Facebook live that we ended up bringing onto the show because it was so well received about capital funding and about what it means to look for investors in your childcare facility. So just quick reference, if you haven't listened to that episode and definitely go back and listen to it after you listen to today's episode, we started to have a conversation about how in childcare, bootstrapping and really almost kind of going into debt is considered the norm, right? Like you start with whatever funding you have and you try to slowly scale the company. And so Scott had really brought this whole new perspective into what would it look like if we took on investors? What would it look like if we looked at some capital funding in scaling quicker and looking at acquisition or merging with other locations and really growing the company faster? And the feedback was huge. People privately messaged Scott and was asking for some advice. And so this is a need. We are looking at this as a need across the market here in America. And so Scott, I'd love for you to touch on and take us a little bit deeper in what were some of the questions that some of the owners even asked you, or where do we take this conversation further based on our last chat together? Honey, I think the most important lateral square, when you look at the concept of taking on partners inside the business is kind of like changing the mindset. So honey, I told you before we started the podcast, and I've told you this a number of times, I think I came from a really modest background. I'm so grateful for my family. My mom and dad were these wonderful altruistic people and I would never, but I didn't have like Harvard business school training. I didn't have like the entrepreneur dad or anything, though I had the best dad. I love him. God rest his soul. But I think my mindset for really optimizing what I could do with my talents inside a business, it was all wrong. I think we all kind of grow up on these melodramatic, like what's the TV show uh, succession, you know, like everything in the world is succession and everybody around the world is trying to take this beautiful, wonderful business thing that you've grown from nothing into something away from you. And the mindset you should be carrying along with you is, you know, to take on investors, to leverage more capital is like bringing on new best friends and people into the business to help you with accountability and help you with different skills and talents. So I think first and foremost, for many of you who have scrapped your way, you know, I love the origin stories of the typical childcare center of, oh, I was, I was pregnant and I went out and uh, I, I toured, you know, 10 centers and none of them, you know, they were all wonderful and everything, but I thought I could do better and started my own. So you go from that to, you have a really nice business. You have a great playbook. You have something that's investable and you realize that it's investable and all you need is to put kerosene on the fire and let it burn brighter and faster and let it scale. Um, And you bring partners on. And that mindset for me, not coming from a business background or business family, or this legacy of business, not going to business school really until later in life. That mindset is, is, is something that you have to be familiar with. And, and I always say, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, it's a sickness. So have a partner, have somebody that will hold your, hold your hand in the hospital. And also somebody that, that helps you comes alongside you, puts money into the business, brings with them some expertise. So it's all mindset and growth. 
So I want to touch on what you were talking about, like the concept of the new best friend. And I, I think it's kind of relevant. So Mayor and I, Mayor's my husband, we we started watching a show that someone recommended to us, which is Undercover Billionaire. Have you watched that show? Have you? I have. I cry every time. I can't stand okay. it. I'm so, a cry. I'm a crier. I cry. Oh, I cry all. I cry during every single day. I'm, I'm always the worst person to watch anything with because I ask a thousand questions and I'm like <laughs> crying and laughing and like mayor's like, just shut up and just watch it. Like, I don't know the answer to your question. Just watch. Right. So anyways, side note. So we're watching their show. And one of the things really stuck with me, what this guy was saying, he's like, the first thing you have to understand to building any business, but especially a million dollar business is it's relationships. And he he's dropped into this place where he doesn't know anyone. And the first thing he's looking to do is to make a friend. He's like, okay, I need to meet someone. I need, I need my first in into building this company. And so much of what you're sharing is exactly that. It's finding a friend. It's building relationships, right? If you want to go far, you, you got to have people to go with. Okay, so let's go to the next piece is a lot of people are super skeptical when it comes to taking on investors, there's these horror stories, there's, you know, lawsuits, there's so much drama associated with investors or getting capital funding. Talk to us a little bit through maybe some of the good stories, or maybe how do we kind of weave our way out of the narrative that we might have that like, oh, I never want to do that. Yeah. So it's funny. I won't say who it was, but years ago in 2015, when I went to my first trade show, I was funding Kangaroo Time myself. And I talked to a competitor and I said, I said, you know, I think I'm going to go raise venture funding. I'm going to go raise some funding because I need to hire like 20 engineers. I need to hire people and I can't self fund through this. And for me, for me, the vision was more about like all the wonderful things I could do for customers if I just had capital. Like I have the vision, I have the playbook, I have the tribal knowledge that I've been earning. And this person looked back at me and said, why would you ever hire a boss? And I just kind of looked at her and thought, okay, that's an interesting way to look at it. But it was wrong. Her, mm. her opinion was wrong because, and I do think many entrepreneurs, they get yoked with, they get paired with, you know, these relationships or these, these kind of like veins or arteries of sustenance that have a, an imbalance of power. So the first thing that I learned in finding really good early stage investors was that I had to kind of filter for alignment. And in fact, great story. My first investor, Will Sue from Mucker Capital, he walked me to my car. So he had me meet for coffee and he was like, yeah, I take like a hundred of these coffee meetings a month. This is my job. This is how I filter entrepreneurs. And then he said, yeah, we're good here. Really great to meet you. And he gave me an assignment. He said, I want you to go home and I want you to build a business plan for me and show me how Kangaroo Time can become a billion dollar a year in revenue business. I know it's a stretch, but I just want to see you think through it. And, you know, he's like, I'll walk you to your car. So, so about a month later, they cut me a $400,000 check um, and did the investment. And then over the years, he told me one of the reasons he walked me to my car was he wanted to see what I drove. He was just like, I vibe with this guy. And he goes, the fact that you had this real sensible 2007 Toyota Camry, he was like, I knew I could work with you because he came from humble beginnings. He was like, one of my filters is kindness. I knew you were a nice guy and very sweet. And he was like, I just wanted to know that you were humble and that you didn't have this outsized narcissism or something. So yeah, I, I think- Ooh, that's so good, I got chills. 
So finding that alignment is so, and geez, I'm so glad I didn't drive the Ferrari, you know? I know, right? Like we go and rent the car because we want to impress. But really what people want is your authenticity. Like, no, I drive a 2007 Toyota Camry. That's what I drive. Absolutely. I love that. Such a great story. Also in just understanding the, you know, I was just doing a podcast on someone else's show. Uh, humility and curiosity to me are the two super skills that I think all staff need when they're entering uh, childcare because the humility of understanding you're going to make a lot of mistakes. This is a big learning curve. And the curiosity of when those mistakes happen, asking yourself, how do I do this better next time? And so I think when we look at investing, a very similar thing where I think we want to get it right the first time. We want the perfect investor at the first bat. We want to meet the best person at the first coffee meeting. And I think finding a good investor is very similar to dating. Like, I think it's very rare to marry the first person that you date. Like, (laughs) there's usually a process. So a weeding out process. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so actually, this is kind of a famous pillar when you're coaching young entrepreneurs or when you're coaching people that are going to look for capital, it's not for the faint of heart. So they say that for every venture funded business, you look at Uber, you look at whoever, you look at the biggest of the big businesses. Each one of those entrepreneurs had to go and take at least 100 no's for coffee meetings. And they had to filter through. Yeah, I think the ratio is something like, it's this really kind of convenient, 100 to 1. So for every 100 people you meet with, you're going to, you're probably going to get interest from, you know, say 15 or 20% of those. And then when it comes down to writing checks and partnering, 1% is kind of the number. For me, you know, that process of getting no's, I'm like you, honey, I have a really good memory. That was like the one thing that I think I stood in line for twice when, when they doled out talents, like everything else I I think I missed the ADD took over, but I can almost remember every single no. And with every no, the rage in me was that wanted to come out to where I kind of had to garner that, that filter of gratitude of, okay, like I got to meet that person. This person gave me this beautiful gift of, Hey, you're too early or, Hey, we don't think the total addressable market's big enough. In not so many words, I don't believe in you. They would always say, you know, the team's not really rounded out, not our style of managers, things like that. So with every one of those, I'd want to be like, F off. You know, I want to send the email like, I'm going to make it someday and I'm going to throw this in your face. and It'll be the biggest just because I'm competitive. But I started to try to start. I, I had to start to filter that with gratitude. Of, I'm getting free feedback. I'm getting all these eyes on the business. And honey, there have been so many dignified no's with caveats, with these beautiful nuggets. I mean, we went through, I won't say who the fund was, and they are embarrassed that they passed on our investment, but they had a, they, they flew into Buffalo. We flew out to meet them. We went through their partners meeting, um, probably spent 60, 70 hours building models for them validating the space. And then they said, one of the partners just doesn't like the deal. And we only, we have five partners and four of us were pounding the table saying, you're an idiot, but we do things by consensus. And the feedback I got through that, they gave us this beautiful market pack. They gave us all these talking points. I was so brokenhearted, but in the end, 
I still refer to a lot that I go back to that email that, hey, we're not going to do the deal because of this, this, and this. And it's some of the best, most thoughtful advice from some of the smartest people around. I mean, these guys are all Ivy League graduates. They're all self-made. They're all so respectable. But just knowing that I went into that process to make my business better and to grab capital so I could grow it. And then I came out of it with this gift of feedback and somebody that, that earnestly and with nobility looked at the business and was like, we like it, but you could yeah. do this, this and this better. So I think going into the process, there is a mind, again, back to mindset, just, yeah. just take everything in and recycle it, use it to your advantage. So let's talk about this kind of grit and patience of playing the long game, because I think when we think of meeting with 100 people or we think of anything that's associated with that, there is a lot of setbacks, failures that you have to navigate. And it's at a certain point, you're like, do I give up now? Like, have I have I put in enough effort? And I think about the story, I don't know if you know Jamie Kima's story from It Cosmetics. She ended up selling it to L'Oreal for a billion dollars. But when she was first hunting for investors, um, she went to this one investor and he was like, no one's going to buy cosmetics from someone who looks like you. And in the end, when L'Oreal bought them for a billion dollars, he actually called her and said, you were right, I was wrong, because he didn't end up investing in her. And, you know, she built a billion dollar company. But when when I hear her story and, and I hear stories like yours of, of just people that kept going after investors and kept being told no or being told things like no one's going to buy makeup from someone who looks like you, right? Just Just totally humiliating people. The determination and the grit to keep going anchors back to your why, right? Her why was larger than life for what she was going after. Your why, you know, very strong. So let's talk about before a leader, before a school leader really goes after looking at capital funding or investing, there has to be a re-anchoring to their why because of all the setbacks that they need to anticipate that's coming. Yeah, I think there also has to be kind of a, a quarterly or a monthly assessment. And that assessment you know, honey, you and I were hustlers. We both built our businesses on getting like super outsized results based on persistence and, and probably like something weird in our childhood that really recruited the ability to be charming. So, but I think great business leaders had the ability to remove all the emotion and all the dissonance around looking at everything inside the business. So, so looking at your key performance indicators, first of all, set those up. And this is where I love you and, and what you share. This is where I love some of the other thought leaders in the industry. There are thought leaders out there that will give you really definite business metrics. Look at those. They will tell the story of your strengths and your weaknesses. You know, if, if you have eight classrooms that you can't open up, your weakness is obviously the tumultuous time in childcare. It's hard to step, but you've got to be honest and know that your 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 sourcing function for new employees is broken. That's yep. your weakness. I've been there. I've been there. Yep. My, my foot when I was fundraising, filling seats was very hard for me. When I'm not fundraising and my time is not bifurcated, I'm really good at recruiting. So let's talk about that for a second. I need to interrupt you for one second and talk about that because this is just, again, going back to that show, Undercover Billionaire. I'm sorry, I'm going to reference it a lot because I just watched it last night. But one of the things he was talking about was, he's like, I have to make enough money to survive. That's my first thing because every moment that I am spent on survival is a minute that I can't work on my business. 
when you are in survival, oh. right? When he was looking at like, okay, I just need to make enough money to get my rent, gas, food. Every minute that I am in survival, I can't work on my business. I'm just trying to survive. Money, don't, why did you do this to me? Okay, I'm so. I'm sorry, I'm gonna make you cry. <laughs> you, you, you know, okay, you don't, you, do, you know nothing about kind of like, my thesis on this, I have a huge thesis on this. So you don't know this, but, but I make lots of money, not lots of money, but I started investing in real estate about 20 yeah, years. Yeah. Ago. Oh, we've spoken about this that you have. Yeah. yeah. So my goal was to have passive income that would pay yeah. all my dwelling expenses, all my food, shelter, all my yeah. basic yeah. needs. And my goal there was, I, I think that was kind of rooted in kind of like, you know, a little bit of financial insecurity growing up and everything. Sure. But I became super, super vigilant in my 20s and 30s about saving money and buying cash flowing entities. And I'll say like once I got to a point to where I had $20,000 a month of passive income coming in, that's when my entrepreneurship kind of like my trajectory blew up. And I think there's a relationship there. And when I'm coaching young entrepreneurs, it's always about, okay, what's your personal burn rate? I need to know your personal burn rate. Because if you got a crazy lifestyle and you're not driving a reasonable 2007 Toyota Corolla, you might be kind of like muting your ability to go and get that dream, you know, and build that business you've always wanted to. So, yeah, I do think that also like, honey, I haven't checked my bank account in probably 15 years. I don't worry about it. In fact, I need to be more realistic, but we switched over payroll providers and our HR person came to us and said, our payroll, it's not going to fund till like four hours later. And I'm like, I'm like, so? And she's like, Scott, that doesn't fly. You know, people get stressed. They live paycheck to paycheck. Anyway, bottom line, um, you know, this is totally a, a departure from where we started. But I'm a firm believer you should work very, very, very hard to backfill your personal burn rate and spin up businesses or passive income so that you can go all in when you decide to do your big thing. I haven't read that in a business book. I was telling Jessica, my wife, the other day, I was like, I'm going to write this book called No Dwelling. And the thesis is built around like you buy, you know, you invest in businesses or in things that can give you cash flow that pay for your housing. Because once that's covered, and again, this is probably like small man's thinking, but you can really kind of point your intellectual curiosity, take risk. Like I worked at MedStreaming for the first year, no salary because I didn't have to contribute. I had saved. Yeah. Now, yeah. The first three years at Kangaroo Time, zero salary. Right. Zero right. salary. So, so again, everyone starts in a different place. I like, I can never not take a salary. I got four kids to feed um, and four tuitions to pay. So the big thing that we're talking about here is really understanding what does it cost you to live and when is enough enough? I think that's a big question I ask a lot of owners. When is enough enough? When is it like, okay, this is enough. It'd be great if we did this also, but this is enough. This is the burn rate. But going back to what he was talking about is every moment that you spend in survival is a moment that you cannot build your business. And when I think about, you know, the pyramid of excellence, which is our proprietary process, the first layer in the pyramid of building excellence is survival. And until you move out of survival into kind of the other layers and the top layer being legacy, you can't build legacy when you're in survival. Yeah, I agree with you. So at the top is legacy. And I think yeah. when you're in legacy and you're at that point to where you can say, if I hire three new people to do these three things, even though I can't take the 
the adequate amount of salary or what I'm worth, these things will pay off tenfold. So for a few months, I can take a haircut. But yeah, being in a position to where you can invest and create more legacy to me is such an important concept. It's huge. So I, I'd love to kind of uh, switch gears here in the conversation and talk about something exciting that Kangaroo Time has coming up. I know last year you guys hosted in the summer the Bounce Conference, which was your first event, which was super exciting. And so this year you guys are doing it again. Would love to hear about just a little bit about this event. You know, childcare leaders are always looking at going to events. There's all different kinds of events. Everyone's got like a different theme and a different spiel. So tell us a little bit about Bounce. So we have become an advocate to the child care operator, and we feel like we're the partner. So our conference, we, we have been a student of many of the great conferences, one being yours, which is an absolute amazing, just an amazing time and a refresh for me in a time mm-hmm. where, where I feel like I have my big gratitude moments because it's always in a beautiful climate and coming from Buffalo, it's much appreciated on a boat. But our platform, we feel, has given us this really interesting set of optics into the childcare space and the Mm -hmm. early education space. Our theme, we have a conference, it's called Bounce. Bounce 2023, our theme is coming together. And we feel... There has just been this this kind of like beautiful tailwind inside of our industry. So first of all, there's been this massive thing that happened called a pandemic that really validated the pedagogy of what we do inside of our centers. And we think there are some learnings there. So as you know, Kangaroo Time raised a $26 million Series B. We're very happy about it. But a big part of that and a big part of the vision and the excitement and alignment, going back to having investors that are excited and aligned with what you're doing, was really understanding that we had this beautiful acquisition engine that we partnered with for our customers to help them run their businesses. So they had all these great workflows that make billing time zero hours a week, that allow them to communicate with parents. But on top of that, what we realized was we were collecting so much valuable and accretive data that we we made this massive investment into data science. So at Bounce, that gives us an opportunity to really kind of play out and tease out a lot of the data science and many of the visualizations that we're capturing, we're capturing a million nodes of data every hour from payments to, to teacher attendance. In fact, we have, we'll present this at Bounce. We decided to run this crazy attendance uh, study the day after the Super Bowl. So we're going to play out like what absences are for teachers and staff the day after the Super Bowl, which is nationally known as the the most called in. So we're going to have real-time data and show you the graphs and, and when people clock in. It's going to be I really love cool. it. Ooh, I cannot wait to see the data on that. Ooh, that's and there's fun. really interesting insights inside the business when you look at real data science. So our data science team comes to me about once a week and says things like, we know when a family is going to disenroll 
98% of the time based on these four behaviors. So if they start out with a an ACH payment and then they move to a credit card and then they move to another credit card within six weeks, that family is 98% certain to, to leave the center because they're showing signals of financial distress. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We just started synthesizing this sort of data and we're super excited to share it. Not only that, honey, you and I have been going to conferences for, if you combine our conference attending track record for decades, and we know who the best speakers are. We know who touches the people that touch hearts. You are one of them. We're super excited about your session. Um, we have a number of other speakers that, again, we did bounce last year and we had about 100 attendees and every single one of them was like, this was an awesome conference. You know, we did roundtables with a couple of our customers that, that brought like five to 10 directors, you know, and yeah, they were just all like, okay, this was where we could kind of kind of really dig into how we were thinking about staffing and retention and our thesis around who we hire, how we hire, things like that. So we're really excited about Bounce this year. And I think the coming together theme, the cascading, the trickle down of data and analytics, bringing the best of the best thought leaders. We also want to instill inspiration. And then another big topic for us is decision support. So again, with all that data and analytics, it's really cool that we know we can tell you within kind of a reasonable variance, the number of employees that you'll have call in the day after the Super Bowl. But more than that, we want to help our customers run their businesses with some framework and some guideposts. I think what's really incredible, I'm lucky that I get to speak to a lot of different partners and, and people that have built software technology inside of this industry. And I think one of the things that really made Kangaroo Time stand out is the openness to listen to clients and customers and really understand what is it that they need and not just building something out and say, build it and they will come, but really going and saying, what do you guys need? How do we support you guys? How do we support your journey? How do we make running your business more efficient? How do we optimize it? How do we help you guys automate, delegate things? Um, and I think that curiosity, which started in the beginning, but continues to go even as you guys have built and fundraised so much is really a hallmark of just the values of the organization, which is why I'm so excited to, to be part of the event this year. Ani, we're, we're really excited about it. I will just say I've been very fortunate to have been capitalized, to have the ability to go raise enough capital, but also work with a team that has built a methodology and a flywheel around listening to customers. Because you know what happens, you start running a business and the thing starts doing what it does. It kind of has its own soul, it has its own heartbeat. Um, I think one of the things that, that I've been super fortunate to be associated with and bringing people into the organization are people that love to listen to our customers. And not only do they love to listen to our customers, they built framework around that being sustainable. Again, we have competitors, we work with customers that have said, we've been asking for the same thing for 10 years, and then you guys come along and you listen. A big part of that is we have had people that insist on building flywheels so that they can listen to customers, get back to them, sometimes deliver bad news to say, hey, we love that idea, 
we know that you want a green button on the screen, but we're not doing that because it's just not the best thing for yeah. for, for everybody. But yeah, designing a process so that you can deliver value back and that feedback loop, the etiquette around communicating, the kindness that's infused with hearing people and talking things through with them. It's something that I think we've been fortunate enough to hire people that live for that. I love that. I, again, like so much of what today's conversation about is just really like best business practices and and really what it means to build a long-term sustainable brand in the market. And so even if you're a small, consider yourself a small childcare center, I only have the X amount of teachers, I only have one location, I only have two locations, it doesn't matter. Like building your brand, building your legacy is not about how big your company is. It's the impact that you're making with the people that you are privileged to serve on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's what makes this company so unique and, and just grateful for what you guys are doing in the world. So how can people find out more about Kangaroo Time? How can they find out more about Bounce if they want to continue this conversation with you guys? A couple of ways. So the first thing, I'm going to tell you a little more about Kangaroo Time. So Ooh, tell us. First, of all, first of all, we just became a B Corp. So a, be- okay. a certified benefits corporation. That means we changed our charter. We're no longer a Delaware C Corp. We've transitioned to a B Corp, which means... The charter of the company has changed and instead of the relentless pursuit of profits, we are really stewards of doing what's best for our customers and for the industry. You know, we join a great cohort full of wonderful companies like Tom's and Ben and Jerry's. We are super proud of that and our employees were excited about it. So everybody in our company owns a bit of Kangaroo Time. So we're super happy about becoming a B corporation and we'll be talking more about that in the future. I do think every childcare company should become a B Corp. And again, it does nothing to the value of the company or the value of your stocks, but it does. Are you guys, are you guys going to become publicly traded? Probably. Yeah. That, okay. That's on the roadmap. That's, so, is that on your roadmap? Okay. We're sharing yeah. a lot of secrets over here on the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So someday and forever, we thought we were just a tweener. You know, we didn't think we yeah. had a big enough business to be that. And we would build this really nice thing. But yeah, um, that is our goal, to really grow it. We have become international. Yeah. We do exist in Australia. We are opening business in the UK. That's that's a new announcement. We, we've just contracted a, a very large customer over there. But yeah, uh, to learn more about our company, please visit our blog. That's the face of kind of the, the frontward cut to the world facing layer that, that we want you to start with. So that'll have a number of articles and thought leadership post, many by you, honey, go to kangarootime.com slash blog, or just go hit our website. It's a, a great place. If you want to learn more about our platform, we are huge on jumping on a demo and just talking about center economics. That's where yeah. we start. And yeah. then we'll start to talk about family engagement, our enrollment platform, our CRM platform, all the other pieces. We have We have a really comprehensive product for enterprise businesses, in our opinion, the first to really nail the enterprise offering. And then also for, if you are a a single center with 50 students, we want to be the first platform and the last platform you ever use. Yeah, yeah. 
I love that. I love that. Um, and if you want to find more about Bounce, you can definitely go to their website as well. There's just all the information is inside of there. Scott, what is one, I guess, just one insight that you want to leave us with on what it means to really build a business of excellence? You know, this podcast is called the Schools of Excellence podcast. Everything that we talk about is about building excellence. What What is your definition of excellence? Yeah, I think if you can build a business that has like a relentless prioritization for their customers, you've done something right. But more than anything, I think we wanted to build a company that filtered for two things. One was just greatness. We wanted to be really good for our customers and shift the narrative around the softwares that they use because many of our customers are disappointed. And then two was kindness. I have inherently just been so drawn to people that are good and noble and love on other people. If you infuse that into your organization, you can't lose. You might have some deltas with some technical talent, but you can find that. You can find that. I love that. Scott, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. I'm glad we got to have a little bit of a longer conversation today because this was great. And thanks for joining us on the show. Loved it. Awesome. Can't wait to do it. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.